You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And uh, we're Mr. Weber's missing in action today. He's up in New York walking the dogs in the... Sand and snow and sleet yeah, and whatever, yeah. night and all of that stuff. And following behind with his plastic bag. So we found what Jim can do now. He can follow behind a dog with a plastic bag. But anyway, this is going to be one of the most interesting shows that uh, I think anyway, because of uh, we've got a very special guest, Mr. Steve Ronaldo. Are you <laughs> the same guy that's also the host? No. You're, you're a different person. No, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. It's my twin brother. Uh, oh. Yeah. And and your mother and dad named both of you Steve. Yeah. yeah. So they wouldn't get you mixed up. Absolutely. All right. Like George, sense. what did George Foreman name all of his kids? I can't remember. Larry, Larry, and, or Daryl, Daryl. No, Darryl. no. Oh. Really, he had all of his kids were named the same. Ah. I, I can't know. remember what it was. Though. Foreman? I can't remember. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember <laughs> what you're talking about. George. Anyway. We've got uh, Mr. Steve Ronaldo in here, and then we have another special guest that's going to be talking car storage. And I guess this is becoming quite a business across the nation, uh, uh, having a, uh air conditioning system that uh, keeps it all dry and everything, and uh, you got to put your classic car somewhere. So Yeah, a lot of people want one, but especially city people, they have yeah. no place to put it. So we're going to be talking to our guest about that. <clears throat> but first, we're going to get into uh, what Steve Steve just came back. What a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, about um, yeah, about three, maybe three weeks ago three weeks or so. Ago. It doesn't matter. Yeah, somewhere from not Cuba. very short short time ago. From Cuba. Yeah, we took a the horses carriage club when I was on. I just got off the national board of directors for the horses carriage club. And their annual convention that they do every year was something different. We uh, had our, our uh, uh, annual business meeting, and then the, uh, if you will, the entertainment was a cruise out of Tampa to uh, Key West, then down to Havana, and then to Cozumel, and back to Tampa. <coughs> anyway, uh, to, so... We had kind of an interesting board meeting. There was uh, uh, some discussions about, well, if horseless carriage may uh, uh, do a building in uh, uh, out at the Gilmore Museum with all a lot of the other clubs and all of the other stuff. So that's something that may be coming down the pike. And then we talked about uh, uh, defining a car. What is a car? A, a guy just died with a very big car collection. And a lot of the cars were assembled, even though they were correct, they were assembled from other cars. And does that make it a real car? And this is an extremely sticky subject in the the hobby today because there's a lot of that kind of stuff floating around. And, you know, personally, I don't think I'd want to be the one saying, this is a car, this isn't a car. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to get in that legal, legalese stuff. Uh, so that was, that's a, there was another big point of discussion. Well, anyway, 
then we left and went down to uh, uh, Key West. And when I worked for uh, Honda back in the 70s, we used to have Southern Region um, uh, dealer meetings at Key West. And if you've ever been there, Duval is the main street. And then there used to be Mallory Pier. And at night, they used to have the sunset party and a lot of booze and and uh, illegal cigarettes were floating around at the sunset party i don't think they're called cigarettes <laughs> well anyway uh and it, w- it was quite an interesting place the streets were sand and ground up seashells the famous hogs head hogs breath saloon uh and you could you could walk around and walk over to uh, uh, Ernest Hemingway's house with the three three toed cats. I was sort of looking forward to going back there, and uh, uh, it's not the same. It 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 just isn't. The Hogs Breath Saloon is surrounded by three store three four story buildings on three sides. The streets are all paved. It's just a giant t shirt shop. I was, <laughs> I mean, it's just a souvenir stuff. I it was just not the same as it used to be, so kind of disappointing. And then we went to Havana, and of course for me the big thing was the cars, and that was a very interesting. Uh, uh, Interesting deal. Uh, we you know, I, I want to get back for one second, interrupt you for one second. Uh, back to your deal about is it a car? Yeah. You know, the answer to that is make a category, you know. Say if it's, if it's not original, all original parts, or it's a put together from even from original parts, that there just should be a name, a category name for it. That they all fall under. I don't know. I, it's a very, very. It, it's it's primarily a legal question. Uh, and well, yeah, I guess if you were. Oh selling yeah. Or well, reselling, all right. Sure. Uh, d- just uh, d- d- before we talk some more about Cuba, uh, your Bob Wallace with with J C Taylor. There and I. This I can talk talk about from some experience. While a long time ago there was an Alpha. Uh, that was available, and this was to go to Barrett Jackson, and they 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 uh, anticipated this car way back when, going well over a million dollars, well over a million. And what happened was there were two identical cars. One was made with the chassis and some stuff. One was made with the body, and I think the guy had uh, the engine and some stuff. So one guy created the chassis, one guy created the body, and got a, a, a red engine. So who had the real car? <laughs> and this car was listed in the auction, and it was going to go through. And one of the guys that had the guy that had the other car that wasn't going through said, "If you auction this, I will sue you for millions because I have the real car." So anyway, if one of those guys had an accident. We'll just say the car is worth a million dollars to make it simple. And you're Bob Wallace, and you own J.C. Taylor Insurance, and the car's a total. Uh, it might have been a, a hurricane, and it smashed the car to a zillion pieces, totally non-repairable. Is that the real car? Are you going to pay a million dollars claim? For the car that may not be the real car because the other guy has the real car. 
This is an extremely touchy yeah. subject. Oh, yeah. But like I said, I, that could be solved if there was a category that said if it's not 100% original or not, you know. I don't know. Some, you know, some, some, some something, but make a category, and that would help Bob as well. And he could enter. But who's going to make that determination? Who's going to stick their neck out that far to make that determination? Well, I couldn't if the parts numbers aren't the aren't the same. Or but they didn't do that stuff back then. Um, a lot of old cars that that's not the way it was. Yeah, um, and then you look at some of the European cars. Okay, I, we'll pick some of the early racing Fiats, for example. They were. Race cars, then then rich people bought them and rebodied them for street use. Then somebody bought it for that and put it back on the race circuit. So, uh, um, and this is just one of these questions that will that that come up in this hobby every now and then that are almost unsolvable. I I I, I, I and back then go back to that Alpha. I called AACA, I called Classic Car Club, and I called Horses Carriage and see if they would define the car and what is a car, and nobody would touch it. Hmm. So kind of an interesting thing. Uh, But anyway, back to Cuba. Kind of interesting when we got there because we were a group of about 60 people. We had a a tour arranged, and it was a city tour. Well, if you weren't with our group, you had several things to choose from. And and what was interesting is when you got on the bus, and you could walk, by the way, all of the tour guides on the bus were government employees. So... Isn't everybody just about? Well, it, it's kind of interesting that, <clears throat> that way. And as we went around the city, went around Havana... Uh, because they were government employees, they all the 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 lady that we had was very good, very nice. But she, ev- <coughs> everything was said about how wonderful the Castro brothers were, and Che Guevara, who is it who is attributed for killing a, over a thousand people himself. Um, so and that guy, I got a little, you get a little tired of that. So anyway, and we'll get to the cars in just a minute. We we. Um, we, we uh, uh, went to a very nice restaurant in the morning for brunch, and they had the Cuban, some you could get with or without rum, and they gave you a Cuban cigar and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then we were riding around, and you'd see these beautiful buildings, old Spanish architecture buildings, with a lot of them had nails driven in the front, and they would wrap extension cords around these nails and run the electricity into the windows and that's how they got electricity and they don't have electricity 24 hours a day they don't have running water 24 hours a day so the buildings all have cisterns on the top to collect rainwater for non-drinkable water so to run your toilets to do all of this kind of stuff so to me Cuba is a perfect example of why cap- communism and socialism fails. Um, but talking about a, a, what is a car? Wouldn't you say that? What, what if you had to do that in Cuba? Well, that's that's the other thing. We 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 uh, um, 
as they went around, it was very interesting. And and then and then we went to the the Jose Martin uh, Memorial. He was the guy that back in the eighteen hundreds that freed Cuba from from uh, Spain. He led the revolution back in the eighteen hundreds. So they have a big memorial of this guy. And right at, right where they parked the tour bus was one of the places where all of the cars of Cuba went to were. So, of course, uh, a lot of the guys and Brenda walked. They went over to see Jose Martin. So two, three of us <clears throat> didn't go. We just walked around the parking lot looking at these cars. And it was uh, very interesting. A lot of the cars have diesel engines in them from... Uh, Tractors and everything. Yeah, yeah. So you'd see a 55 Chevy come in, clattering and banging away with a diesel engine in them. Uh, If you look down the side of most of the cars, and if if you were to lean on it, I think you'd go through the Bondo. I think you would just go right through the the Bondo. Now, there were a few that were, were kind of nice. Uh, a, a lot of garish colors. Uh, um, uh, the interiors were all all, all done, <clears throat> so it was kind of an interesting uh, uh, to take a look. We'll talk more about it. I guess we're getting ready to take a break. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll be back right after this. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for forty five years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show. Mr. Weber is missing in action, but we have Mr. Rinaldo here. And he's talking. I, I'm fascinated, so I'm just going to let you yeah. ramble on about Cuba. Yeah. Anyway, so so we started looking at it. He's got one guy uh, had a, a 50, and there was a 53 Chevy convertible. And he says, Hey man, do you want to take my car back home? Thirty-five thousand, <laughs> and and it was kind of a mess. I, I guess they're very expensive. And, and the story that I got from another guy who has done some work in Cuba uh, is that they they are now a lot of them have. T- 
taxi stickers on them where they didn't have before, and and it was it was uh, uh, illegal for them to actually take tourists around. But because they were such a big tourist draw, the government just sort of you know looked the other way and let them let them do what they 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 wanted to. But most of them now had the the tourist sticker on. Uh, you saw a couple of British cars, not much. Uh, most of them were 50s, 50s American cars. For some reason, I guess it's just pictures that I've seen, it seems like most of them were Chryslers. Uh, I, I see most Chevys. I think I saw yeah. them. But, you know, uh, if you remember, Bill Warner said go to the train station. And I don't know where we stopped. Maybe it was the train station. Uh, I just wasn't sure. But uh, uh, most of them, most of them were Chevys, and for, there were a lot of Chrysler products too, uh, and and most of them were painted kind of weird colors, and the interiors. Uh, uh, I th- I think they must have a lot of white cows in Cuba because it seems like the leather in most of them was white, uh, or white vinyl. I you know I, I we didn't have a lot of time to look, but we we walked around and looked at the stuff, but. Um, it, w- it was kind of a, an, an interesting deal. Uh, and anyway, if you back to sort of the, the, the area, if you didn't take the bus tour, you could walk, but they gave you a map. And there were some things to see right around the, the right there, but you could only stay on the streets where you were supposed to be. If you were off the streets, you could get yourself in trouble. They said, stay with the map. And our our bus stopped at the... Uh, a big um, market that had food and arts and crafts and and stuff. The weirdest thing to me, I thought, was the the money. They have three kinds of money. They have the uh, uh, Cuban, I think they call it pesos. Maybe I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pesos. And then they they aren't supposed to, but they do take American dollars. Um, and then they have a sort of a script. And, and they want you to get the script. And when you get off the ship, uh, the script, if you take get a $10 bill, and you can only spend this in Cuba, uh, it costs you, if I remember right, uh, $10. Uh, you got $9.20 back in Cuban script. And then if you didn't spend it and turn it in, you got another, like, a 20% penalty turning it in. So they really they really push buying that script. So uh, Brenda and I got 10 bucks, and when we went to that big market, we bought a couple little j- junky souvenirs just to not to, you know, just for something. Uh, I got a, you know, I bought a wooden handmade car that says 19... 19- 15 model a model t well really <laughs> but anyway you know it, it was an interesting trip uh something to see i i don't think i would go back there well what in your opinion what what struck you the most uh well one of the things i did like was they have and i think they were called barrios and they they do so they took us to the arts and crafts one and if you are a younger person or a, a somebody who is a known artist, whether it's music, whether it's painting, sculpture, uh, any of the kind of, of art stuff, they have a community where they live in and they have uh, a place where, where the bands can play, 
where they can exhibit your artwork, where you can do this, and you, and, and they have classes by renowned Cuban artists to show you how to do this and how you can improve this. And, and that's kind of a neat thing. Plus the little girl that took us around, every guy wanted to take her home. She was just absolutely cute as could be. And uh, uh, and that was kind of interesting. They do it for other, other things too, uh, like um, uh, electrical. If you want to get into the electronic field, they have a barrio for the young people. They live there, and uh, and and they can they they teach them, and they practice stuff, and they can do stuff and build things. So that's really not that thing. That was that was kind of impressive. Sort of like a technical school. Yeah, but they live there. Yeah, yeah, and they have them for a lot of the the, the crafts and trades and stuff. Hmm. So that's kind of a that, that's kind of a neat thing. How were your accommodations? Oh, we were on the ship, so oh, the we didn't have oh, to worry okay. about. It. And the big old hotels and the, our our tourist our guide said that the uh, uh, you know when Castro came in fifty nine it was owned by the mafia let's face it there's no nothing to, that's not a great secret uh, and they had these big beautiful hotels and a lot of them have turned into and you know one thing you see you see a lot of people just doing nothing because you don't have to do anything. You just don't have to do anything. I mean, you get a chit to go to the grocery store, and you you know you can go to the doctor. I mean, you don't have you really don't have to do anything. And and uh, but these big beautiful old hotels had turned into housing projects or just gone to ruin. And the lady told us that now since America has has uh, uh, you know reopened relations and stuff. That American tourism now, or cruise ship tourism and flight tourism, is the number number one industry. They're trying to to redo these big hotels so that they have, uh, uh, you know, they ha- they have a place. Right now, there's there was only a couple three that looked as we went by looked okay uh, to stay in. I don't know what the rates were. She didn't know either, but. Uh, they're trying to to really build the the uh, uh, tourism area, but it's like every other. See, when I worked for Honda and I traveled the Caribbean, where the tourists go is beautiful. All the stores are there and nice restaurants, and it's very very safe. You get three blocks away from there, and you know, mm-mm, you don't need to be in this area. How how far are you? Or is Guantanamo from? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. We were just in Havana, yeah. so I, I really don't know. But it was interesting. I, I don't feel the need to go back there. I wasn't that enthralled with the place. Oh, one thing we did stop, they did stop at a cigar store, one of the main cigar stores. You, they have cigars in there that cost 60 bucks a piece for one. Mm. Uh, I just went in and looked and walked around and looked at the stuff. And you know, Cozumel is Cozumel. It's just another another Mexican joint. Yeah, yeah, with a lot of a lot of stuff. You know, it it's okay. And then back to Tampa. So it was worthwhile. It was an interesting trip. But I ended up with pneumonia. So, <laughs> and the doc says that you probably got it on the cruise ship because you're locked up with three thousand people in a tin can. Yeah. So if anything's floating around, you you know. And they always ask, "Have you been out of the country?" Yep. In the last 30 days? Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not severe pneumonia, I was, but I was flat out for a couple of weeks. With Do they uh, uh, do they take you by the, where Castro's buried or anything? Or They did. They, 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 of course, you had to go by and see that stuff and Che Guevara stuff. And I got a little tired of that. I was like, you yeah. know, those people were brutal, brutal people. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well... Do you think it's it's been a right move to open relations back up? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, you know, nobody forces you to go there. Are the Cubans free to come here that much? Or I don't know. I, I, I didn't even ask. I have no idea if they're, they come here or not. Uh, I don't know. To visit their relatives and all that kind of stuff? I don't stuff know. That are here. I honestly don't know. Well... But it, but anyway, it was an interesting trip. I have something else I, I want to uh, talk about real quick um, before our guest calls in. Uh, for years, I've had a problem with my Cadillac on hot restart. It has driven me absolutely crazy. So I said, well, I can't I can't deal with it anymore. So I started doing some investigation. I took the uh, the fuel line off the carburetor, and when it was hot, I cranked it over. And uh, uh, as much, the gas came out of the fuel line at the carburetor like a 95-year-old guy with severe prostate issues. <laughs> and I said, well, this isn't right. And I did it both with the supplemental electrical and the mechanical. Anyway, I took the line off at the fuel pump going to the carburetor, and it was the same thing at the fuel pump. I took the line off feeding the fuel pump, and, of course, I couldn't use the mechanical anymore. I used the electric, and I got a nice stream of gas. And I said, hmm, got to be the fuel pump. So anyway, and the reason I mention this is you guys need to think about this if, you're, if you do this. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I took the fuel pump off, took it apart, and found that when I sent this off to have it rebuilt a long time ago, the guy put the two one of the check valves in backwards. Huh. So what would happen is it would suck gas in, and it couldn't push much gas out to the carburetor. What it was doing is trying to pump gas back into the tank. Huh. So if you get this kind of stuff, you know, don't 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 overlook the obvious. I it took me a while, and I I just assumed that whoever the company yeah, that I sent this fuel pump to yeah. knew what knew what they were doing. And uh, um, obviously they didn't. So uh, I put up with it, and it was just getting a tiny dribble of gas at the carburetor. I should have done this years ago, but I didn't. So I sent the fuel pump off to a guy that everybody in the Cadillac Club recommends. Um, to use and uh, now it's working fine I had it out for a ride yesterday and the thing runs great and uh, the hot restart issue simply because the design is there but it's not a huge long crank it just boom it starts so that seemed to take care of that issue Uh, and all these years I've been fighting with this car trying to figure it out and I, I finally used some common sense and figured out that it was uh, the fuel pump. Even the electric fuel pump couldn't push past, uh, just get a little bit through that that valve. 
Well, with that being said, we've got our guest on, uh, Mr. Stuart Howden. And uh, I'm going to... Stuart, can you hear me all right? Uh, Barely. Barely, okay. Well, let me turn that up a little bit, and uh, that should be a a little bit better for you. And uh, we are certainly appreciative of you coming on this morning. And we're going to be talking, what do you do when your car is about to retire and... Retired. Yeah, and uh, be put out to pasture, so to speak. But instead of putting it out to pasture, you all put it in a huge environmentally correct situation in a in an auto mall. And uh, where did where did the were were you all the original, or how did the idea? And and now that it's going, there seems to be a, a lot of these coming up now. Hello, did we lose you? I, I can I can barely hear you. Uh, is that better? That's better. Hey, Stuart, okay. Steve, can you hear me? I hear you now, Steve. All right, good. good. <laughs> anyway, what I was asking was, uh, as time has progressed, were you all the first to do this as, as car? You know, to store cars environment in an environmentally uh, friendly situation and. Also, what do you do with your classic car to protect it over the next uh, however long you're going to be around with it? Sure. Well, I don't know if we were the first, but we took a, uh, an old outlet mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, just west of Philadelphia, about an hour, and decided that my partner has 400 barn finds uh, in varying conditions from a 1904 Cadillac all the way through the 60s and needed a place to put them. Well, then he decided he's bought this big building, and he's put 400 cars in here, and the building's big enough to hold 1,200 cars. So what do we do with the rest of the space? Well, let's make a business out of it. Let's start, uh, let's get into the consignment business. And so that's how we decided we would make money, or we would hope that we would make money anyway. <laughs> and uh, January of 2018, we started taking consignments. Uh, and we have about 400 of our barn finds in the in the in the uh, building, and about 350 for sale right now, and that's growing about 40 to 5 to 50 vehicles per month, uh, all either classic or special interest, meaning that something that we think is cool. Well, that's kind of, kind of interesting. So, your your consignment you're talking about is it, you don't actually store cars for people. We have that uh, capability as well too. We have what we call space mall. And that's our vehicle storage, indoor storage space. And we store about 60 or 70 cars uh, through that program uh, that uh, basically is just climate-controlled indoor storage space. And uh, those uh, uh, clients are generally collector car guys who don't have room in their garage for their car and that kind of thing. But there's a lot of different people doing that that element of the business. Yeah, yeah. I know a guy in, in uh, Ann Arbor that does that. But he also has a... Uh, 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 you can work on your car in there. Do you, do you allow that, too? Not yet. It, it, what most people offer is more of a concierge service where you can work on your car, You can they'll tend your battery, they'll, they'll do those types of things. Really, what we're offering is space. Just storage, primarily. And, I, and I, the thought comes to mind, what do you do with a guy that puts the car in there and he's got a leak? Well, that's why we've bought every drip pan that Walmart sells within a 10-state radius of us. We have 
about 2,000 drip pans here. So <laughs> we, we can put one under the front and the back if needed of every car that we have in here so far. Well, that that's kind of, that that's kind of, and you're in Morgantown. See, I go to I go to Pennsylvania a lot. I was on the AACA board, and we go to Hershey sure. and and a whole bunch of stuff. Matter of fact, we're going to the Rassen Burks tour with our 1910 car in I think it's the end of May, and uh, uh, we do a lot. Then that that's a hotbed where you are is a hotbed of antique car stuff. So I it's can, unbelievable. We we. Um like I said, we started January of 2018 con- uh, taking consignments, and in our first year, we consigned 486 cars uh, and sold 172 of them. And what's interesting is the if you draw a circle with 100 mi- within 100 miles of where we are, obviously that includes Hershey, Carlisle, Philly, those markets. There is as many cars in this part of the world, I'd venture to say, than just about anywhere. There's not many places that would uh, outdo us uh, as far as the number of vehicles that are in this part of the world. Uh, and then you got the, the, you know, the added luxury of being close to the ports. So when you buy cars or sell cars overseas, it's, uh, you know, a little bit more cost effective to get it to, to there or from there, uh, as opposed to being in the middle, you know, the Midwest or the middle of the country. Do, do they ship out of Philadelphia? I'm sorry? Do they ship cars out of Philadelphia? Or out of Newark and Baltimore. No, Newark and, and Baltimore, and, okay. And, a little bit further north or north and south of us, not traditionally out of Philadelphia per se. I don't know why, um, I, but uh, but I know that most of the cars that we sell overseas uh, go to Newark, and then they they're on. And usually, believe it or not, it's cheaper to ship a car from here to to uh, England than it is from here to California. I can believe that. Well, why I went, why is that? Do you think? Well, because a, a, a big distance. freighter ship can ship, you know, 1,500, 2,000 cars at a time. The poor guy going across the country with a two-car trailer uh, has all the tolls, the fuel, the DOT, the insurance, the, you know, on and on and on. And uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit, probably a little less cost-effective. That's why the prices of shipping seem to keep going up and up. Oh, yeah. I, I know now it's, it's uh, pushing, if you... Had had one enclosed uh, across country. You're looking at about two thousand dollars. Absolutely, and and you know, and then it's a timing thing. I mean, just sometimes it uh, it can happen fairly quickly, but other times you might wait three or four weeks, depending on the time of the year when it's happening. Uh, if there's other large uh, events going on around the country, and you know, with these old cars, I mean, you got to be careful. Just because a guy has an enclosed trailer doesn't mean He's the right guy to haul your particular car, um, and obviously, the pricier the car gets, the the more you want to be a little bit more selective sure. about who you're picking to uh, to ship your car. Well, sure, that's that's uh, you know, like we, uh, one of our sponsors is Passport Transport, and they're one of the best in the business, and and uh, but they 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 know what they're doing. They those kind of people know know exactly what they're doing with stuff. Sure, it's white glove treatment, and uh, that's what you. You want when you send a half a million dollar car across the country. Uh, it's another thing if you send a, you know, a '87 Mustang that's got a hundred thousand miles on it. and You got to get it across the country. You might not be as concerned as you would about the, you know, the the uh, five hundred thousand dollar Ferrari. Absolutely, absolutely. So, anyway, uh, so your your selling business is pretty strong up there, huh? Absolutely, and and we we make our our building is an, an attraction in of itself, and so 
we have uh, we don't charge admission for people to come in and view the the 400 barn pines and the 350 cars for for sale. And we we're open regular hours, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, and then Wednesday evenings from four to eight, we have an open house. Uh, that you know, we just invite people to come, you know, after work and come see us. And then on Saturdays, we're open from eight to noon right now, and um, we get a couple hundred people a day wandering through here. Uh, looking at uh, the cars that are on display, the barn finds, as well as the cars that are for sale. Although I'll say that you know, 90% of the cars that we sell uh, from here are are online versus in person. Um, you know, you don't sell nearly as many anymore uh, uh, in person as you do online. And you know, it's interesting. We always, it, it's funny. We we always say that. Uh, because the way we advertise these cars out on, you know, all the different uh, collector car websites that are out there, and there's about 60 of them we're on, um, we always say that probably more people know about us in Denmark than they know about us over the over the mountain at our own in our own town, uh, because <laughs> it's so much more cost effective to advertise these cars worldwide than it is to advertise locally that you're here and that you're an attraction and that you have 800 cars almost in in your building. Now, are you connected with uh, Gateway and Streetside, or are you part of their their group? No, we're familiar with them, uh, certainly. Gateway and Streetside both have multiple locations across the country. Uh, But, no, we're an independent, and we're probably... I would venture to guess we're the largest classic car facility. Our building is 336,000 square feet, wow. almost eight acres under roof, uh, on 40 acres, acres on the right on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, an hour west of Philly and an hour east of uh, Hershey and Carlisle. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an old outlet mall, and we literally have the cars that are on the barn finds in the windows, so you can window shop at looking at the uh, old barn finds. And then uh, all the uh, cars for sale are scattered around as well, too. Huh, that's pretty cool. I, you know, like I say, we go to Hershey. We're up in that area all the time, and and uh, uh, I, I'm definitely going to try to to make a trip over. Yep, we'd love to love to show you around. We've uh, we 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 think that by this time next year we'll have a thousand cars for sale in here, and. Uh, you know, it's it's you know the interesting thing about this business is it's 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 really uh, the ability to have that many cars makes it the ability to be profitable. It's very difficult to be profitable in the classic car business. If you're if you're a, a dealer trying to sell classic cars, or if you're a collector who's decided that maybe you want to make a business out of the hobby, you know it sounds fun and it is. I mean, there's no question about it. I I think I prefer this over selling pallets. <laughs> but it's a very difficult business, and there's a lot of pitfalls in selling a classic car, uh, be it especially if you're buying them to resell them, but, but certainly even beyond that, the process of, of accepting payment, making sure that you have clear funds, making sure that you have a clear title and a proper VIN on a car, and making sure that if you ship it to California, California is going to accept that, uh, that VIN uh, or that title or that death certificate or whatever it may be. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons that people utilize our services and are thankful to have us. Listen, there's a classic car auction every weekend, and I love classic car auctions. But they are not for the faint of heart, and they're not for an for an amateur. No, sir. Uh, you you want to know what you're doing when you go into a car a classic car auction. Yes, I agree. Uh, with because you. otherwise, you know, what, what you don't want to do is walk away from there thinking, boy, I you know, I've sold that too cheap, or 
I shouldn't have sold it or whatever. Uh, And a lot of people do well at auctions, and a lot of people, you know, go on a regular basis. But but for a lot of people, especially like a widow, her husband's passed away, they have ten cars in their collection, Um, you know, some people just don't have the stomach for that. And so our facility allows them to have their cars in a climate-controlled environment, security-monitored uh, we don't charge any upfront fees to sell your car. We don't sell any charge any monthly fees to sell their car. We only get paid like a real estate agent when the when the vehicle sells. And uh, it's uh, a lot of people have walked into here over the past year, you know, a little over a year that we've been doing this, and said thank you. Uh, I finally found a place that I'm comfortable with taking dad's or my ex my husband's cars or or our family's collection. And so that's that's made it pretty rewarding as well. Yeah, uh, it, you mentioned one thing. It, and in the state of Georgia, uh, it, you don't have to have a title on certain. There's a point if the car's older than this, you do not have to have a title. That's correct. And and uh, so if I were to to bring or, or get a car up to you from here. And somebody was going to a title state. Do you guys have the way to make that happen? Absolutely. What we do is the the, the what we the other service that we offer to our clients is the fact that when if say you bring me a car and you want to and, and you want to consign it with me, when that car sells, when we have a buyer for it and we're fully funded, you you sell the car to Classic Auto Mall. Then Classic Auto Mall sells it to the buyer. There's a couple of reasons we do that. Number one is that it shouldn't be your responsibility whether we do things properly on our end or not. You've agreed to sell your car. We've gotten paid for it. You should sell it to us and, therefore, be done with it. There should be no recourse on our part. We have the car. We have inspected it. We've gone through it. We know that we've got everything proper. And if we don't, shame on us. Conversely, when we sell it to a new buyer, not fair to him, He's been dealing with us all along, and now all of a sudden the title comes from some guy he's never spoken to in Georgia, and this guy's in California. He's dealt with Classic Auto Mall, not you down in Georgia. And so, therefore, now he knows that his recourse, if there's ever a problem, is he comes back to Classic Auto Mall. What it does is takes exposure off the consigner. It also opens up the exposure to Classic Auto Mall, but that's why you pay us. That you know that that's that's good. I I don't know if if other other people that are doing the same as you offered that kind of a service, but that that's always been something I've wondered about. You know, some because some states well, are really it's really it's tough. one of those situations that listen. If I just went out and and wanted to see how many cars I could sell and 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 didn't care about the recourse, and then we wouldn't do things like that. But but we. We want to build something that uh, will last and will continue on for for many many years to come, and to be an outlet for people. Listen, I say that that as I said earlier, you know, auctions are great, and I, you know, if you got ten cars, take two or three of them to the auction. Take, you know, sell a couple on your own, uh, on your own to the neighbors you got, and bring the other four or five to us here. Uh, I think there's room for all of us, but I think that that we have to to keep the business as ethical as possible because. You know, it's easy. We've all heard horror stories from people buying cars sight unseen, and when they get them, it wasn't exactly yeah, what they I've thought they were. Yeah, I've done it myself. We'll never get away from that because it just happens. And in but, an auction, uh, you we can't, do our best yeah. to to try to circumvent. And it. In Listen, an auction, we know we're not going to make everybody happy every time. Yeah, and in an auction, but we can sure try. 
Yeah, you can't you can't talk to the see. I have I, I I'm I'm sort of weird because I've been around this stuff forever. I want to talk to the owner. I want to see what he's done. I'd like to see his his records and you know. Well, I the engine was rebuilt you know eight years ago and blah 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 instead of. Well, you go to an auction, you haven't got anything. You just that, you're at their mercy. That's exactly right. And Ugh. and when we talk to a consigner, we talk to them as if we are a buyer. So we ask all the questions, hopefully, and more uh, the questions that you would have asked, or that any other potential buyer would have asked. And we ask for all the documentation and all the paperwork and all the story and everything that we can know about the car. And if there's something that we didn't get, we'll go back to them. I mean. Part of the thing is, is that what the consigner is paying us to do is to take the headache out of selling the car. And believe me, if you've ever gotten a call from your bank on a cashier's check that you thought was golden, that turns out to be a you know a, a scam. There's there's a sinking feeling in your stomach like no other. <laughs> Stuart, on that note, we're going to take another break. We'll be back with Stuart Alden and the Classic Car Show right after this. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show with our guest, Mr. Stuart Howden from Philadelphia, and talking about what do you do with your car if you want to keep it and the best care that you can do is put it in uh, Mr. Howden's storage. Yeah, yeah, it, it, all right, uh, let, let me ask you a question. I think you would be a good guy to, to ask this. As you are a, a uh, seller, where do you, what, what is your opinion of, of where this hobby is going right now? Let's start with the older cars. We'll start with cars like brassier cars, then go to World War II cars, then 50s. And 60s on up. Where, where, where do you see these different segments going? Because you're involved with every one of them. Well, it's, it's funny you should ask that. We were just talking in our, our staff meeting yesterday, and we were comparing what, what the, the number one kind of, what, are, what our hottest sellers are. And they're two very far apart cars. One of them is the Model A, believe it or not, and the other is SL Mercedes. The Model A is interesting because we've all predicted the the death of the Model A for 20 years now. That they're not nobody's going to want them anymore. Nobody's going to care. The market's going to be completely gone from them. There's no way that we're going to continue to sell these. Yet they 
continue to be very popular with what we with our listings and you know we have a good barometer when we have three or four hundred cars out there for sale and and they sell very well and i think the 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 answer to that one is is the fact that they're easy to drive easy to work on they have that cool older look uh, but, you know, to look at the hobby and to what's going on with it, I keep thinking that we're going to ring the death bell for the collector car hobby, and then I keep getting pleasantly surprised with the brass cars and the Model A's, Model T, you know, the Model T's and and, uh, and earlier, and I see that uh, there's younger people getting in the hobby. Now, it's not as prevalent as it was maybe 20 years ago, uh, but... The amount of people in this world continues to exponentially grow, not only in the United States but worldwide, and people continue to to want to jump into the hobby. And so it may be more of a global market uh, than it was. It's obviously that. It's a little easier to uh, sell overseas with the Internet and uh, the shipping, as we talked about earlier. Um, so I'm pleasantly encouraged, and especially... You know, just like with the brass era cars and seeing the people with horseless, you know, the, the, uh, the, the groups that are brass era, uh, relevant, uh, that it's a younger and a younger crowd. Um, and then, you know, you, you watch the auction houses with the, the big dollar pre-war Packards and <coughs> Duesenbergs. And, and I can remember back in 2000, 1999 to 2001, Duesenbergs, you could buy for four or 500. They had really gone down in value, and now they're up in the two or three million, and some of them as high as ten, fifteen million dollars for a Duesenberg. Uh, and then, you know, you watch the, the, the European sports car market continue to oh, go crazy. grow and, uh, uh, flourish, and, and prices of Ferraris and Lamborghinis just continue to go through the roof. And then you look at the 90s stuff, uh, air-cooled Porsches that went from being $50,000 cars to $250,000 cars. And then, then you go to the next step where the, the, uh, the Japanese cars that were built in the, in the 90s and 2000s, uh, the Toyota Supras, the 280Z, Datsuns, uh, or Nissans now, um, uh, those uh, RM auctions just had a sale of uh, a big collection called the Young Timer Collection. They were getting staggering money. Super Twin Turbo for one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Oh. So I feel really good about the hobby. I mean, the economy's in pretty good shape right now. Uh, you know, people seem to have some free access to capital and and are wanting to play with it and uh, have some fun with it instead of putting it into you know maybe a boring stock. And so I feel really good about it. I mean, you know, maybe 10 years from now my tune will change, but right now it seems very positive in the hobby and, and the tours and the concours and, and the car shows just continue to, to seem to do well. Good. That's, that's, that's good to hear that you're – because you, you, you have your puzzle. All right, let me ask you another question sort of in the same way. Percentage of what you sell overseas to percentage what you sell here. Probably right now we're selling about thirty-five to forty cars a month, and out of those, it's about four that are going overseas. And when I say overseas, I mean internationally, meaning outside the borders of the United States. So it might be South America, it might be Denmark, it might be uh, uh, you know China or Japan. And so only about ten percent right now, and and it depends on the car. You know, we got a 21 Packard Twin 6 Touring uh, sedan in not too long ago, and it went to Chile in South America. They like those kind of cars down there. That's their thing. We get a 50s (laughs) four-door sedan, and it'll go to Denmark or Norway. 
And so there's certain areas that are that are looking at certain types of cars uh, more frequently, and therefore, depending on what your inventory is, is uh, you know what uh, what what may go overseas or or out of the country anyway. Well, I know when you go to her, I am sure you go to Hershey in the fall. absolutely, uh, and you walk around a lot of times. I because I'm so busy there, I don't ever have time to even get to the car corral. But it, the guys tell me there that. Especially the, the the pre-war cars, and some of the big '50s and '60s, like Cadillacs and Lincolns. Uh, a lot of overseas buyers. That's their that that's what they like. They, Absolutely. They well, I mean, if you look at you go go to any high-end auction, R.M. Gooding, uh, Bottoms, any of those guys here in the United States. There's a lot of accents there. There's a lot yes, of uh, people speaking other language, uh, you know, uh, other than English, and and <coughs> that's fantastic because it has become a global market for for everything that we do. And uh, we don't know how long the combustion engine is going to be allowed to be around. I mean, that's maybe scares me more than people not getting into the hobby. It's the fact that you know, uh, in in what is it, 2040, France is going to. Uh, outlaw the sales of combustion engine cars, and by 2050, they're going to outlaw the use of combustion engine cars uh, on their, you know, on their streets and roads. And so, and that could be overturned, obviously. It oh, I think that's just could be. Wishful thinking. That may be more scary than the the fact of, of losing people that are in the hobby. <laughs> well, I I kind of doubt that's going to happen, but. I think there's enough wealthy guys out there that have a lot of cool old cars that that take gasoline. That uh, that have the the ear of their congressman, senator, and president, and whomever that'll probably not let that happen. Well, but it's certainly something to think about. I can see it happening in the big cities. Sure. Yeah, electric cars only in in metro areas, but uh, I don't think. It'll, and and gasoline will become so you know it won't be profitable for to make. It'll be expensive if you're going to use it. Absolutely. Well, there's a. There's a great there's a Canadian band called Rush and they have a song called the Red Barchetta and uh, it talks about in the future you know you got to go to your uncle's farm out in the middle of nowhere and you get to go drive the you know the the Ferrari around the back road it's illegal but you you go do it because you want the rush of driving a, a cool old sports car back in the day but uh, <laughs> you're you're uh, skirting the law when you do it. Well, good. I I, uh, I I'm glad that you you you're very optimistic because you know I I I'm not a big auction fan. Sure. Uh, and and uh, when you watch, uh, we'll pick the the evil one, Barrett Jackson. You know <laughs> you don't see any old, very few old cars. It's all re- what they got resto rod or resto yep. mod and and. You know, you have a beautiful 55 Chevy, and they all stick mag wheels on them and put an LS430. I don't even know what that stuff means. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and that It's seems kind of a shame that when a, when a 62 Resto Mod Corvette brings three times the money that the best 62 Corvette done back to original specs brings. And you uh, picked my favorite Corvette. But, you know, it's part of the hobby. It's like... You know, low riders and tuner cars and stuff that may and may not fit into my wheelhouse, uh, so to speak. But it's part of the hobby, and you know, I guess we have to accept it because I don't think we're going to be able to change it. There's always going to be guys who want to. Here's the problem: guy gets out of his brand new Mercedes and he jumps in that '69 Z28 he just bought, 
and he gets out of it ten minutes later and goes, "Well, this drives like crap," <laughs> and and <laughs> because his 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 reference point is the new Luxo Cruiser he just got out of, it's hard for him to grasp the fact that these things are difficult to drive, and they don't want them to be difficult to drive. He wants to look cool. But he doesn't want to be uncomfortable, and he doesn't want to have, not have air conditioning and disc brakes and all the other, and his stereo, so he can listen to whatever the flavor of the month is uh, musically. So that's where the resto mods come from. I don't agree. I'm a purist. I like original cars that are that are done back to the way they were supposed to be. But but I don't dictate the market or the trends. No. I can only do my best to kind of follow. Well, they always were crummy at cars. Like when I got back from Vietnam, I had a 69 GTO convertible, and that was not much of a driving car. Right. Goes fast well, straight, I wouldn't remember stop. Remember all the, the Hemi cars that would sit on dealer lots in the 70s, and they couldn't hardly give it. Nobody I remember would. seeing a Plymouth Hemi Superbird. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, sitting on a lot out on Chapman Highway in Knoxville, and I think they wanted. It was it was orange. It had the wing. It, it had the, four, the the Hemi four twenty six and four speed, and it was thirty five hundred dollars. And the guy said, "We just can't give this thing away." Well, Cobras too. The Ford dealer had Cobras, and they couldn't give a Cobra away. Yeah. Or what was the but, one? What you was know, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, guys to me all the time say, "Well, why didn't you buy a bunch of those cars back then and put them away?" I said, "Let me put it to you this way, My. in relative terms." Today, go out and buy 20 or 30 cars that you're going to squirrel away for the next 40 years, and you're going to be able to see in the future which ones are going to be worth saving and which ones aren't going to be worth saving. Because we all know old doesn't equate to pricing. No. You know, if you look at a 1940 Packard four-door sedan in black, the best one in the world might bring $15,000, and that's really a stretch. Uh, just because it's old doesn't mean it's valuable. So to go and squirrel away 40 cars and hope that they're going to be more valuable in 40 or 50 years from now, well, that's 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 an expensive uh, proposition that you don't know if it's going to be a good one or a bad one. Listen, I got a buddy of mine who bought a Cobra in 1980, no, in 79, and he paid $35,000 for it, and it's worth, you know, probably eight or $900,000 now. And I said to him, I said, what a great investment. And he goes, think if I'd have bought Apple stock. How much money would I have then? Probably $40 million. if you'd so, have bought a Bricklin or a DeLorean. It's hard to see into the future on these things. Yeah, if he'd have brought a Bricklin or a DeLorean, he'd be a zillionaire. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you never know with this stuff. No, you don't. And and But listen, I tell people to get into it because you enjoy it and you love it. Don't get into it because... You're trying to make a quick buck. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're just about out of time, right, David? Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit, close how we can get how people can get a hold of you, take a look at your inventory, all that kind of stuff, and where you are. Yep, we're in uh, Morgantown, Pennsylvania, an hour west of Philadelphia on the Pennsylvania Turnpike uh, Highway seventy or, or Interstate seventy six. Uh, our website is classicautomall.com, uh, where you can see we've got three hundred and thirty cars for sale on there now. We have another 400 cars on display here in our building. And our phone number is 888-227-0914. You can reach out to us if you have a car to sell, interested in buying a car from us, uh, just need some advice, just want to talk cars. We're we're always here and uh, always available to do any and all of the above. Stuart, thank you very yeah, much for being on. Much. I didn't get to all my questions. <laughs> oh, well, let's do it again. We'll do it again, absolutely. Take care. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.